0: Hey, it's Luke Burbank. Welcome to LiveWire. I am backstage at Revolution Hall. We are about to get started with the show in just a moment. We got a fun one for you. Our theme is On the Road, and we picked that theme because one of our guests is a buddy of mine and somebody who has made plenty of road trips and written about them to great effect, Mr. Tom Beaudet. Now, you may know Tom from the Motel 6 commercials, but we have some of the other lesser-known Baudette works that you may not be aware of. We're going to lay those on you coming up here in a minute. We've also got an essay from our beloved and departing head writer, Courtney Hameister, plus poetry from Scott Poole and music from Box Set. All of that is coming up right now on this episode of Livewire. And it gets started right now.
1: From PRI Public Radio International, Let's live! In Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. It's Livewire with humorous Tom poet Scott Poole, and music from Box Set and our amazing house band. And now, the host of Livewire, he's taking the high road tonight because there's too much traffic on the low one.
0: Thank you, announcer Jason Rouse. Thank you, everybody here at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. We have a great show for you. Our theme this hour is On the Road. One of our guests is uh, one of my very favorite people in the world, Mr. Tom Bodette. One of the things he's very well known for is that he is the spokesperson for Motel 6. He is the guy who came up with and delivers the line we 'll leave the light on for you that 's him and um, i I had a chance to sample one of his motel sixes this summer um, i was My wife and I were in kind of the process of moving, and we we didn 't have the keys to this house that we were moving into, and she was staying with a friend of ours, but it wasn 't going to work for me to bring the dog with us. So uh, on a Saturday night at about 11, it became really clear I needed to find somewhere to stay that would let me bring a 65 pound yellow lab that sheds its entire coat once an hour. (laughs) And it was summertime and bizarrely, every single hotel and motel for 100 miles in any direction was taken. I amazingly got the last room at this one, Motel 6, and while I was on the phone with the guy, reserving the room, I heard a newlywed couple, people who had gotten married that day, come into the office and beg to have a room, and he said, I just sold the last room, and I would like to tell you, Portland, that I told him to give the room to that young couple, but I did not, because I was very tired, My sciatica was acting up and I needed a bed to sleep in. So I get to the motel and I realize that there's a problem and it's that I have this dog with me and that if I go in and ask the guy, what's the policy on dogs? And he says, the policy is no dogs. He'll know why I was asking that question. (laughs) Like he won't think maybe this guy's doing like a United Nations research project on dogs in motels in Washington State. He'll be like, that guy has a dog. He's trying to bring it in the hotel. So I knew that I couldn't ask about it. I had to pull like a reverse Steve McQueen. Like instead of the great escape, it was like the great sneaking in to this room. So I sat in the parking lot with the dog. The car was idling. I was watching the guy in the office waiting for him to go in the back room where he could not see the security cameras. I've got the dog with me. She is clumsy. She is the worst dog to try a caper with. (laughs) It's the worst teammate for any kind of capering. So I'm like, we got this. Okay, he goes in the back room. We jump out of the car. We run up the stairs. We get to the door. I'm like, please let the key card work. It does. We get in the room, shut the door, and now we have a new problem. The room had been totally remodeled. So it had all this modern furniture and, like, hardwood floors, which... Normally, I would be a fan of, but I was worried that the people below us were going to hear the dog. So I tell the dog, greatest day of your life, you are required to stay on the bed with me all night. (laughs) She was like, I can do that. (laughs) We're on the bed. It's time to go to sleep. But now I'm freaked out that in the middle of the night, she's going to hear someone walking by the door and jump down and start barking. So the whole night I have to sleep holding her collar it's like the worst night's sleep of all time because i'm constantly trying to keep her from getting excited get up the next morning i shake out the bedspread clean up all the hair i flush the hair down the toilet which feels weirdly murderous (laughs) never a good part of your day when you're flushing hair be it human or animal down a toilet in a motel room i get it all cleaned up this is like the perfect crime i get my stuff we go out into the morning sunlight, and I get out on the balcony, and I look in the parking lot, and there's, like, 20 people with their dogs. <laughs> and I go down to this lady who's, like, chain-smoking Virginia Slims. I'm like, how did you sneak your dog in here? She goes, they let you have dogs. It's, like, a $20 refundable deposit. Did you see the sign? And on the side of the office, there's a huge sign that says, dogs welcome. $20 refundable deposit and I had been capering so hard <laughs> that I had not even looked at the sign so I tell you this story as a little heads up that I have pitched to my friend Tom Bodet, and I think they're going to go for it a new slogan for the company which is we'll leave the light on for you, no need to sneak your dogs in <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty hot Our theme, our theme, as I mentioned is on the road, okay and I just want to before we get too far into things, I want to check in with announcer Jason Rouse. Are you ready to get started on this show, bud?
1: Boy, am I. I'm ready. You know, I've uh, read all the materials, I've got my notes, and I'm feeling confident, really very confident tonight.
0: What materials are you talking
1: about? Well, I like to put together a little research package of knowledge for each show and sort of covering all the bases. And, you know, like for this show, I, I started, I read uh, On the Road. Uh, by it was uh, Jack Kevorkian,
0: and uh, it was good. That's uh, Jack Kerouac, actually. That's
1: exactly what I said. And uh, I really thought, honestly, it was pretty depressing. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty dark and uneven in places. And even though I'm like this enormous Viggo Mortensen fan, I just, there all the cannibals and the, the, the roasting babies. It was just Jason, gross. Did,
0: do you mean the movie The Road starring Viggo Mortensen? Yeah. Because that is not the same as the book. On the Road, okay? You know that, right? Like, On the Road and The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Very different things. That makes sense. That makes sense. Which is
1: the one with Mel Gibson? That's Road Warrior. And he's a bouncer in that
0: one? No, that's Roadhouse. And that guy Kerouac is the lead? No, that's Patrick Swayze. It's
1: not called On the Roadhouse by Jack
0: Kerouac? No, that's absolutely not the title. Huh. Jason, did you even read On the Road? Hmm? Sure. Jason? What? Can you describe the book jacket to me? The what? The thing on the outside that keeps the pages inside safe. You mean the book skin? Yeah. The Um, book skin. Can you describe the book skin to me, please? Yeah, sure. It
1: was was yellow, right? And it had, like, black stripes. That's Cliff's
0: notes. Who's notes? Jason, you did not read this book. No, probably not. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. Thank you. That's enough out of you. announcer, Jason Rouse, getting ready for the show by reading the Cliff's notes of the movie The Road. You probably know Tom Baudet as the guy from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me or the guy who will leave the light on for you at Motel 6. He's been saying that ad-libbed line for almost 30 years. But Tom's also written eight books, done a considerable number of voice cameos, and perhaps his greatest achievement, the fact that there is a podcast called Adventure Zone that has created a fictional town called Rockport which is populated only by Tom Bodets. Here, direct from Rockport, apparently, please welcome Tom Beaudet. <laughs> welcome to Live Wire. Well, good to be here, Luke. Thanks for bringing me out for this. One of the things that I've always found really interesting about your story is that before... You were a well-known author and a radio personality and a leave-the-lighter-on her. You had a lot of normal jobs. You were just living the kind of a normal life out here in the Northwest. Tell me about that time. What, what kind of stuff did you do?
2: Well, I, uh, I dropped out of the English program at Michigan State. I mean, I wanted to be a writer, but I had nothing that, to write about. I grew up in a small town in Michigan, and there was nothing in my head that I wanted to put on paper and here's how you know your college career is in the toilet i went to my favorite professor my creative writing teacher who i'd had like six classes with and i said professor drake i said i told him this i said i just don't feel like i've got anything to write about i feel like i just need to like get out of here quit school go out west you know have some adventures do like my jack kerouac you know on the road thing and uh and he said yeah that's probably a good idea
0: <laughs> he did not try to keep yeah, you there no, in michigan no <laughs> wow um so then what happened when you got out there in the world was it uh kind of like you expected i mean what are, what were some of the jobs you had
2: well i um i worked um one of my first jobs out west was here in oregon i planted trees down around crater lake area and i've always wanted to go back because it's like 40 years ago now so I mean, it's probably all been turned to pulp again by now, hasn't it? Come to think of it, but it's uh, a Chipotle now.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> you I, don't want to go back. Tom. Right.
2: Somewhere there was a forest there that I that I had a hand in, and then I then I went to Alaska, and one of my first jobs there was logging. So that's sort of like you know, <laughs> the Yang to that, if you you know. <laughs>
0: and I couldn't believe this. We were talking one time after I think we were both on. Wait, wait, don't tell me. And. My mom and dad met at a commune in Northern California called the Lighthouse Ranch, yes. which was outside of Eureka, California. And the way that my dad ended up there was he was hitchhiking. Somebody in a van picked him up, said, Would you like to go out to the Lighthouse Ranch and, uh, you know, m- learn about the Lord? And he said, Yes. You were in a similar van heading to the Lighthouse I, Ranch? I was that... I, I could be your
2: father, Luke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, I, uh... I, I was on my way um, here to Oregon and I was, out, I was hitchhiking outside of Arcata, California, and this little VW van, van pulled up and there was a couple guys driving. There was these three really nice looking young women in the back. They were the nicest people. Hi, good morning. How are you? And and I was um, really hung over. I'd been partying with people in Arcata the night before. I'd slept under a bush that smelled like urine in the park there in the middle <laughs> of Arcata. So when they started sort of talking about redemption and and where they lived, you know, it was sort of ringing a bell a little <laughs> bit. And but there was just something. I mean, it was just I was right on the line, Luke. I mean, I almost went home with them they were describing this the lighthouse ranch and it's just a lot of really nice people and we've got a hot shower and i'm thinking you know that that you know i'm looking at the three nice looking girls and this probably my i can do a little jesus you know yeah and um
0: i don't think that's the preferred way of describing yeah (laughs) the life of pursuing the lord but uh, doing was, a little Jesus, sure.
2: It, you know, it, it, was, it was not. The, it was not the high point of my career. Um, but no, I uh, I declined. And
0: and and I. What, what what was it that sort of got you thinking? Maybe I don't want to go do this. Was it that you didn't want to be part of organized religion, or was it that? It was the the cult creep thing, you yeah. know, and,
2: uh, and, and that's, that's, that that's, was my mom, Tom. Yeah. My, my, she, she was nice looking no, yes. though. Yes. Yes.
0: that was known for that. Um, I want to, so you, you make your way through the Northwest, you end up in Alaska, you end up in Homer, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And when did you, when did you get serious about the writing and, and how did you kind of transition from you were building houses, right? How did you actually make the move into being a professional writer? One winter, I quit smoking. And you know, if you've ever smoked and then quit, the hardest thing about
2: it is what to do with your hands, right? And, and I think probably just to keep my hands busy, I sat down at a typewriter, which I hadn't done in a long time, and I pounded out this little piece about the stupid things you do when you quit smoking and just how hard it was. And I thought, well, that's kind of funny and silly. And there was this column in the Anchor's Daily News where you could send, like, recipes for bear stew and gardening <laughs> tips and... And I thought, "Well, I've seen worse things in this and in there." So I, I sent that little piece to the Anchorage Daily News, and they printed it that next Sunday. And I thought, "Well, there's my writing career just peaked," and I thought that that, that was over. And but then that Monday, I get a call from a guy I knew at the local public radio station, KVBI, there in Homer, and um, and Joe said, uh, "Tom, I saw that thing you wrote in the paper yesterday. It's kind of funny. Would you?" Like to do stuff like that for us on the radio, and I go, oh, whoa, radio! I don't know. Um, I mean, what would I write about? And He says, like that. He says, what, like, what are you doing today? And I says, well, actually, I was just about ready to take my dog um, down to the vet to have him castrated, and uh, <laughs> and he said that that could be fun. You should write. You should write about that, and and it's a true story. The very first thing I ever broadcast. On public radio or any radio was this poorly thought-out little piece about having my, my poor black Labrador Retriever neutered.
0: Tell me he got some kind of a cut of the proceeds. Yeah, he got some kind of a cut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I walked into that one. We, we have to take a quick break here on LiveWire. We're talking to Tom Bodette. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Whether you live in Portland or if you just want to visit... This city's food scene can be overwhelming, even for your pretentious foodie friends who won't shut up about that sous vide buffalo we had last month. They got fine wine, top picks, restaurant reviews, and more. It's all in Portland Monthly's free Eat Beat e-newsletter. It's at pdxmonthly.com slash newsletters. This podcast is brought to you by Ergo Depot, makers of the Jarvis Standing Desk. And now, if you want a smaller footprint, but you still want the stability of a desk with some real substance. There's the Jarvis Jr., just as strong as its dad. But it takes up almost half the space. And it's adjustable at the touch of a button. So you can stand when you're feeling like the go-getter you are and sit when you dang well please. Because you're an adult and you can make your own choices. The Jarvis Jr., allowing the floor space challenged to stand prouder. Get more information at ErgoDepot.com. Welcome back to LiveWire Radio. We're coming to you from Portland, Oregon, and PRI, Public Radio International. My name is Luke Burbank. We are here with humorist Tom Beaudet. Uh We were talking about how your writing career got started in Homer, Alaska before the break. Um, something that a lot of people know you for is your work with Motel 6. How did that gig come about. All Things Considered was airing these homely voices from
2: around the country. Uh, And that's where the Motel 6 people heard me. And uh, there was a writer there who they had just landed the contract to come up with a radio campaign for Motel 6 who had never advertised before in their history. And they uh, were looking for a spokesman. They were considering the Smothers Brothers. They were um, the others who had auditioned. And he had heard this guy on public radio, and he tracked me down. He called me one day, and he told me what they were doing. And uh, I said, uh, "I don't know." He says, "Advertising." I'm kind of, you know, kind of a public radio guy now. Um, what does something like that pay? And he told me, and I said, "Okay." (Laughter) And. Uh, <laughs> and and I before he hung up, though I asked him, I said, so, um, "So why me?" And he thought about it for a second, and he said, "Well, you sound like the kind of guy who would stay there."
0: <laughs> Where did uh, we'll leave the light on for you come from?" That came at our very first um,
2: recording session, which uh, they flew me down to San Francisco. To do this, and I hadn't signed the contract yet. I was still a little uncomfortable with it. I was this, I know, I was a house builder in Alaska. I was doing public radio, which I thought was just great and enough. And and this advertising thing, it kind of scared me because it's big. You know, you can feel the big energy. It's like that van in Oregon kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, I'm kind of sure. cultish. I'm not sure if I want to go to the ranch, kids, and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we're doing the. Um, we're running through the scripts and they're pretty good. They're funny. They, you know, they did a nice job sort of writing to my, my voice and style and there, but there, they just kind of stopped at the end. You know, they didn't end. They just stopped. You know, I'm Tom Baudet from Motel 6 and it just begged for something. So we we're tossing around some ideas and, you know, like, and we'll see you down the road, and all this. And I said, "Well, you know, I've got let, let's let's run it again. I've got an idea, it's something that you know, your mom says or your aunt when you're coming in late." And so they ran the next one. I said, "I'm Tom Bodeff from Motel Six, and we'll leave the light on for you." And and I'd like to say that you know that you know a choir of angels sang and the heavens rolled back, but you know, but it was you know it was just three guys in suits going, "Yeah, you know that might work." And and, and so. They took it back to focus group it, which is what they do instead of choirs of angels. And, uh, and, and the focus group liked it, and, and there we go. you know. And, and since then, I've written many hundreds of thousands of words and published them and, 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 and spoken them into
0: microphones, and the only seven I ever needed, as it turns out. <laughs> how, how do you feel about that, by the way? Because, I mean, I think they're, I love the ads. And, and before I actually knew you personally, I would hear the ads, and I always thought, these are great. these are uh, approachable. If you were going to be identified with an ad campaign, this is the one. That being said, you've written a lot of books, you've done a lot you've hosted radio shows, you've done all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with those seven words being probably how most people know you? Yeah, you know I gave up you know it's uh... sweet so it's just like a sweet. <laughs> Resigning
2: right. to this, I, I, I'll be honest. It, it used to bother me a little bit because I had more of an ego about my my writing and uh, and and my serious work, if you will. Um, and maybe it was when I stopped drinking and looked at my work. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, I think it might have something to do with it. Well, and, and I said, you know, that Motel Six campaign isn't too bad
0: <laughs> by comparison. Uh, I'm glad you, you brought that up, your, your former life as a drinker, because in the time that I've known you, you strike me as one of the most centered people that I know. In fact, a, a story that comes to mind is that you and I were in Washington, D.C. It was Carl Castle's last show at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and a bunch of us were kicking up our heels and about to go out to some fool's errand, and we are describing it to you. You don't drink, and you said to me, Oh, I'm going back to the hotel, you know. When you're not drunk, these things really sound like what they are. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you always been this, this grounded, this centered, or has this been a journey for you? Well, I can't
2: remember how centered I used to be before I stopped drinking. Um, but I think I've always been a, a fairly fairly calm, calm guy, um, or at least I've played one um, pretty, pretty well. And, yeah, I, you know, I've always, I've always been fairly satisfied with um, my day, if you will. You know, I get up in the morning, and I know what I'm going to do that day, and that's what I do. And I feel pretty comfortable with that. And, and, you know, after a while, all those days add up to be a pretty nice life. So that's, that's kind of how it went for me. Wow. continues to go. You know.
0: I could not be more different. <laughs> it's just a hellscape of self-doubt and jealousy inside all the time. Together, we average out to a person. Wait, wait a mildly neurotic person. Yes, right. I still tip it over a little bit. Uh, are you still a... Like a whatever you call it there, like local politician or something? I was on the local
2: select board, which is like the town councils in Vermont. Um, Vermont is a wonderful political um, place. It uh, The towns are the center of government there. The state government is really fairly weak and by comparisons to to other states and the towns there 's a lot of local control, and the local select boards, which are usually five people, sometimes three, make a lot of decisions the tax rates and you know the school bus routes and the snow plows and which roads and when and and uh, It was really fun to to be in politics at that at that level i don 't know if I could do it at the abstract policy level because it was a lot more fun to be able to to be involved in politics in such a way where somebody could call and complain about the way the ditch was cut in front of their house, and you could fix that for them. You had the power
0: (laughs) to fix ditches, presuming they weren't on federal land. That's right. Or some other easement was not in place. And
2: my best moment as a local politician was in the flood when hurricane irene flooded vermont there was a lot of damage and the west river came way up and was about to take out our historic covered bridge the longest covered bridge in vermont and i was the chairman of the select board at the time and the road foreman called me and he says you have to come close the bridge to traffic because the river's coming up and i said why me he said because it takes the chairman of the select board to close a road. So I got to go down to the river and take the two orange cones and put <laughs> one at each
0: end of the bridge. That is incredible. Huh? Huh? Tom Bodet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, we've got Tom Beaudet with us. Of course, he's famous for his Motel 6 commercials, but what a lot of people might not know is that Tom has done campaigns for hundreds of other companies, and we thought it would be fun maybe to hear some of the lesser-known ones. You up for that? Yeah, we got to. We got to. All right, so let's uh, let's hear the first one. Uh, This is for Sheridan Pantyhose.
2: Hi, it's Tom Bodad, and I have a question for all you ladies out there. Do you suffer from unsightly 5 o'clock leg shadow? If so, then Sheridan Ultra Strength Pantyhose has you covered. Literally, they'll keep those little buggers pinned down, but good. Visit your favorite pharmacy, gas station, or Burger King, and we'll leave a pair out for you.
0: Not your finest work. Tom, I have to be honest. No, no, you're right. It wasn't. Not at all. Uh, okay. Well, maybe the next one will be a little better. Let's take a listen to this one for Anderson Dog Food. Mm-hmm. I'm Tom Bodette,
2: and when your dog is hungry, you want to feed him a dog food that's full of vitamins and minerals and all the stuff that makes dogs healthy and happy. So, why not feed him Anderson's 100% squirrel dog food? It's all squirrel, and no additives. Just ask for Anderson's, and we'll leave a can open for you. Wow. Um... Not great. Well, I mean, you got to go where the money is, Luke. Uh, I got three homes, all right? Yep. One of them's got a
0: foyer fountain. A what? A fountain in the foyer. Look, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm just saying it feels like you're shoehorning in the final part about leaving something on or open or out. Trademark's trademark, Luke. Got to put your signature on it. You know what okay. I mean? Got all a right.
2: brand nose cattle. All right.
0: Whatever you got to do, man. Uh, Let's do this last one, although I don't even really know how to set it up. It's kind of upsetting. Hi, Tom Bodette here.
2: And if you're facing a murder charge and are looking to cut a deal for manslaughter or any lesser included offense... Then call my friends at the law offices of Bowman and Glitter. They specialize in particularly heinous crimes. The kind you don't want to discuss in mixed company. Just awful, awful crimes. So call Bowman and Glitter today, and we'll leave the... Well, you won't die in prison.
0: Oh, man. Those are pretty awful. I think it's good you got the other gig. <laughs> I think so, too. Thank you, Luke. Tom Podette, ladies and gentlemen. This week's show is brought to you in part by a Whole Foods Market, featuring foods free of hydrogenated fats, artificial colors, preservatives, and sweeteners, because, well, They're gross. We're just going to say it. Sorry if we offended any hydrogenated fat lovers, but we're taking a stand on this show. More information can be found at wholefoodsmarket.com. Our theme this week is On the Road, and our musical act has covered... Some serious miles. Back in the 90s, Billboard magazine described them as the best unsigned band out there. Now three labels and 25 years later, No Depression calls their new album Brilliant with tastes of Paul Simon and Richard Thompson and wow harmonies. They've just released a Christmas EP, a live record, and a 25-year retrospective called Assembled. Please welcome Box Set to Live Wire. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Now, now I have to say, if, if one of the box set duo, which looks like it's now a trio, looks familiar <laughs> to our audience, it's because it's a member of the Livewire staff, our producer and editor and man about Portland, Jim Brunberg. <clears throat> uh, along with touring with box set, Jim um, You've been recording a podcast with your twin daughters
3: called Rome Schooled? Yeah. Uh, Jeff's been out there touring with other children called The Grateful Dead. Oh, yeah. I've heard of them. And so I, uh, I had to take and do, do something. And uh, so it's a show for grownups. It's a philosophy, travel, weird oddities of America show. And it just so happens that my co-producers are six years old. They, and they, your children. And related to me. They ask the questions, and we, we go out and we answer them by talking to people in person. What
0: are some of the questions that you guys have been asking?
3: Well, the first, the first time they got really excited about doing a radio show was when they were watching over my shoulder for the umpteenth hour as I edited Livewire. They said, Dad, I'm really tired of Livewire. Can we have our own show? And uh, I said, well, what do you want it to be about? What are you curious about? And for some reason, Dana said, well, why do people have tombstones? And then we kind of went in and said, well, why? that's a pretty serious question. That'll be an interesting uh, investigation. So we went out and we, dis- we discussed memorialization. It took us to the Crazy Horse Memorial in South Dakota and to uh, a tombstone manufacturing place in Chicago and to a double funeral in Philadelphia, and the rest is all up there on Rome Schooled.
0: Okay, so people can, <laughs> where can they find out about this,
3: Rome Schooled? Uh, all right. Yeah, thanks for asking.
0: What, uh, what are we going to hear from Box Set here?
3: This is Jeff's song. This is a road story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, Jim, uh, 20 or so years ago, we broke down on the way to a gig in Minneapolis in the middle of Iowa. Really friendly people pulled over and put a new transmission in for us in about 12 hours so we could make the gig. And I
0: decided to write a little song just about the little town. It's a box set on Livewire.
3: And we worked it out with the great band you guys have here. Yeah, we're going to borrow the house band.
1: Highway 67, it'll get you there
3: North of Davin, put you'll find clear?
1: Standing on the banks where the river bends
3: Sally throws a peck of caution to the wind The highway lights are shining as thick as Mississippi air. The watershed is rising somewhere, somewhere in the clear. Well, baby, leaving doesn't make you right. And if
4: you stare
3: across At Illinois all night, Well, I don't imagine it'll ever do Oh, I can't imagine a thing Good enough for you Oh, well, the highway lights are shining thick as Mississippi air, the watershed is rising somewhere, somewhere in clear.
0: That's it. Right here on Livewire, they will be back out in just a bit. Our theme this week is on the road. Uh, But it occurred to us that it's almost the end of the year, which means it's also almost the time we pretend we're into flossing and exercise for between one to six hours. Until we give up. That's right, it's New Year's resolution time. Here with his thought on the subject, please welcome our pal, poet Scott Poole, to Live Wire.
5: Before I eat the New Year's salad, you know, the one with treadmill lettuce, sit-up croutons and a glass of water dressing. Before I eat that salad, I want a corn dog. At the fair. I'm over 40 years old and I want a corn dog from the fair, damn it. I would push a six year old into the mud to steal a corn dog right now. A corndog you smear mustard on from those slippery little plastic packets covered in grease, wiping half of the yellow mess on your shirt in the process. I want to turn my car into a corndog. I want to cover it in greasy cornmeal and drive it into a lake of bubbling vegetable oil, then pull it out with a rope. I want to drive while munching on the steering wheel until I can get to the fair and order six real corn dogs popping with grease, all with accompanying mustard packets. Hell, I want to be a corn dog. I want a protective brown shell, a cornmeal mobile home which incites desire as I stumble the byways and lanes of America staying at Motel 6's. People will have no idea who I am, and the mystery will drive them bonkers. They will knock incessantly on my shell, trying desperately to gain access, and all the while, I'll be inside laughing about the word bonkers, (laughs) thinking it should be another name for male breasts. For just one afternoon, I want to be a desired corndog, eating my desired corndogs at the fair while people desire me. And I ignore them with my complex inner corndog thoughts as I blaze across the midway, leaving a trail of mustard packets. And if that happens, then I'll eat your New Year's salad like no salad has been eaten before. Thank you very much.
0: Scott Poole, his books are The Siding Glass Door and Hiding from Salesmen. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast version of Livewire. You know, we would not exist without you, the listener. Because what would be the point of doing this show if you guys weren't out there taking notice of it? Look, if you feel like Livewire has brought something great into your life, like maybe a band you love or an insight from one of our comics or our guests... Please consider becoming part of our League of Extraordinary Listeners. Membership starts at just 35 bucks a year, and it comes with some great perks, like members-only content and members-only jackets. Not the second one, but the first one, which is pretty cool. Visit LiveWireRadio.org to join today. And thank you so much. Welcome back to LiveWire, coming to you from Portland, Oregon. This week's show is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines, with 80 nonstops from Seattle. And this winter, they've added New York's Kennedy Airport. Now, the city that never sleeps is just a very long nap away. Alaska Airlines keeping you connected nonstop. More information at alaskaair.com. Speaking of on the road, Livewire's head writer is on her way down the road tonight. Our head writer, Courtney Hommeister, has been with this show since before it had a name or even started recording in 2003. In those 12 years, she's worked as host, head writer, and co-producer of this here radio project. This week, she is leaving, heading out for greener pastures. We'd like to apologize for insinuating anything about her belonging in a pasture. (laughs) Here's what's great about Courtney. She wrote that line (laughs) about herself. The greener place that she's heading to is working on a new book to be published by Little Brown, titled Reluctant, Slightly Over a Year of Living Relatively Dangerously. (laughs) Please welcome the heart, soul, and creativity of this show. I wrote that part, by the way, because it's true. The hilarious and inimitable Courtney (laughs) Haumeister.
4: Thank you. So imagine that you're eight years old. You're at a community pool in Akron, Ohio with your whole family, uncles, cousins, and your older brother, whose opinion you hold in high regard because he can make realistic fart noises using his hand and armpit. You have made the egregious mistake of climbing to the top of the high dive. You are now standing at the edge of the diving board looking down into the blue abyss miles below you. Okay, like 16 feet below you. It feels like you're about to jump out of a plane or off a bridge or into the ocean in Jaws after you've already seen that one chick get pulled under in a plume of blood. The fear feels insurmountable, but so does the white-hot hatred of the four kids on the ladder and the one standing with his hands on his hips at the other end of the board. He yells, "'Just go!' But you've already heard this dozens of times in the last ten minutes while staring into what should have been a calming pool of blue water." Your knees have been knocking for so long that they won't hold you up anymore, so you sit down at the end of the board, which triggers a cacophony of expletives from everyone in line. Your mom yells, You can do it, sweetie! It'll be over in a second. Just jump. But you know something she doesn't. It's too late. You already know you can't do it, and now instead of working up the courage to jump, you're working up the courage to walk the gauntlet of glares you'll have to endure on the descent of shame back down to the pavement. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm the eight-year-old, and that was the day I learned it. I am not the leaping type. I am a toe-dipper, a wait-and-seer, a maybe-later-er. So it is borderline miraculous that I have done anything of note in my life. Twelve years ago, I was a snarky advertising copywriter, and I was asked by Kate Sokoloff and Robin Tenenbaum to help with marketing materials for a radio show they were thinking of making. I worked on the materials, and I also said very meekly, maybe I could also write for the show. (laughs) Ten years earlier, I had worked with a sketch comedy group called The State for two years. They went on as a group and separately to great success in film and television, but when I worked with them, they were all just NYU students like me. And they were hilarious and prolific, and I wanted to write and perform with them, but I could never assert myself, so I spent two years doing everything but. I produced their live shows, I art-directed their short films, I once I made a defibrillator out of phone cords and a portable humidifier. <laughs> so one night the group was rehearsing a film noir-style piece about a grizzled detective, and he was working a case, he walked into an apartment that had been ransacked. "'The place had been turned upside down,' said one of the writers, Ben Grant, sort of Dashiell Hammett style. Then he stopped and he said, "'We need a joke here.' I'd say that my mind raced, but when I tried to think of an idea in one of their meetings, it was more like my mind ran in circles screaming. My anxiety was throwing buckets of water on my neurons, not allowing them to fire. But this time I thought of something. "'Just like in that Lionel Richie video,' I said quietly, looking down at my clipboard. "'What did you say?' Ben asked.' He should say, the place had been turned upside down, just like in that Lionel Richie video. I repeated louder. Millennials may not get that joke, but there was once a singer named Lionel Richie who did a video (laughs) called Dancing on the Ceiling that was based on an earlier film by Fred Astaire, and I thought that the mention of a cheesy 80s video in a noir sketch was anachronistic enough to trigger a laugh because of this thing called the incongruity theory, where we laugh at something because it's unexpected or out of place. I just sucked all the joy out of that joke by (laughs) explaining it. You're welcome. Um, Anyway, I kind of cringed after I said it, but oddly, the group laughed, which felt miraculous, and they put it in the sketch. And I know it's ridiculous, but somehow ten years later, after writing one marginally amusing joke for a sketch comedy troupe, I meekly suggested that I should be a writer for this new radio show, and because no one else had asked... I became head writer. It's also how I got into a band and a couple of ill-advised relationships. Um, But all of these things happened because I very quietly requested the opportunity to try, using words like maybe or perhaps or I don't think I'd be the worst backup singer in the world. I'm pretty sure that was Madonna. And in this case, I got so lucky. I became the host of the show and I got to interview about 500 fascinating people like Gus Van Zandt and Tignataro and Carrie Brownstein and Cheryl Strade and David Rakoff. And I got to work with the best and smartest producers and writers and musicians and performers I've ever known. I helped build a thing that started in an old Portland movie house and is now on over 90 public radio stations in the US and one hospital in Reading, England, which I don't understand either. (laughs) But me, I, I helped do that, the toe dipper, right? The anxious one. Not just anxious like a regular person. Clinically, anxious. I'm a person for whom phone calls to strangers are miserable. Parties where I don't know anyone are like the seventh circle of hell with better apps. And making an unprotected left turn triggers the same fight-or-flight response most people get when running from a small to medium-sized bear. What I'm trying to say is that I am proud that I did this thing for 12 years that turned into something special, but I'm even prouder that I did this thing for 12 years even though it scared the sh** out of me. And now I'm scared again. It is scary to leave this shiny beautiful thing for a new thing on which the luster level is unclear. But standing at the end of the diving board in perpetuity isn't a sustainable plan either. Eventually you're going to get cold and you're going to need a sandwich. So this is a message for the timid, but the brave are free to listen to. I am one of you, and I am stepping off. I can't tell you the water's fine because I have no idea what sort of chemical maintenance this pool subscribes to, and it's a public (laughs) pool, so we're all rolling the dice that way, but still. (laughs) I am going to try to make another beautiful thing, and I hope you will too. Thank you.
0: That was Courtney Haumeister coming to a bookstore near you very soon. We'll be talking to her right down the road, I'm sure. You're listening to Livewire. If you like what you hear, visit iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to our podcast. You can take Livewire with you while you go about your daily tasks, like picking up your dry cleaning, going to the gym, and whatever other tasks you like to make up to explain to your family why you have to be away from the house while they're visiting for the holidays. I <laughs> have to go pick up that podcast, Mom podcast store is only open for a couple of more minutes. I better rush over there. Links and how to subscribe can be found at livewireradio.org. All right, folks, it's almost time for this episode to hit the road. We want to thank everybody who helped make it possible. Tom Bodette, our musical guest this hour, box Set, featuring our own producer and editor, Mr. Jim Brunberg, have fun room schooling the world with those kids of yours. Thanks also to Scott Poole for his many years of house poetry services on this program. We'd also like to mention Trent Finley, our digital media coordinator who's moving on after five years of terrific work. Trent, may all your tweets go viral. It's a compliment in the digital media world. A One more round of applause, if you will, for the amazing Sean McGrath. And a- and finally, we say adios to one of the founders of this show, host-slash-producer-slash-headwriter-slash-amazing-singer-slash-weirdly-competent-child-voice-impersonator, Courtney Haumeister. Courtney is off to write a book and do amazing things. And this show would not be here without her, so thanks, Court. Robin tenenbaum Dick. Robin Tenenbaum is the executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Our house band is Jonathan Newsom, Dave Jorgensen, and Ned Failing. Jason Rouse is associate producer, announcer, and part of our writing team, along with Alex Falcone. Molly Pettit is our technical director. House Sound by Mike Frost tonight. Marketing director, Laura Haddon. Development director, Kim Bergstrom. Our operations manager is Lauren Masterson. Unverzat keeps our backstage together and has wrangled many a guest this last year. Emmy Vaughn and Chris O'Neill have been so dedicated at the Merchant Membership Table, we thank them so very much. Jenny Baker is our photographer. Thank you to our volunteers, Sharon Chalem, Emily Hempson, and Hallie Sadel for all of their help. And thanks to everybody here in Portland and around the country for tuning in and supporting this little radio program that could. My name's Luke Burbank. Just one more thing to do. Let's get box set back out here to play us a number.
3: The red-winged blackbird
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's box set. And that's our show. Thank you so much. All right. I am uh, back here in the green room. Everyone's dabbing their eyes as we've been saying farewell to some of our uh, great staffers and uh, getting ready for some cool, exciting stuff down the road we got to say thanks to a couple of more people before we get out of here. Additional funding for the show by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, the Meyer Memorial Trust, the Oregon Arts Commission, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, the Maybel Clark McDonald Fund, the Oregon Community Foundation, Work for Art, the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, and listeners like you, fine, fine people. This show is made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, and Alaska Airlines. Hotel accommodations generously provided by Provenance Hotels. If you'd like to find out more information about our show or how to become a member of Livewire, visit LivewireRadio.org. You can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere else that kind of stuff happens. And you can find us on Twitter and Facebook over there at Livewire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank, and we will see you next week.